0: Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And And you're you're about to Get Jumped. Jumped. Welcome to episode 57 of Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime. This week on Get Jumped, we're watching Hunter x Hunter 53 through 55, episodes where the Phantom Troop tells their fortunes
1: yeah um so come on down to uh navy pier and uh we will set you up with this big giant spider don't freak out it's all it's gonna do is it's gonna write very cryptic poems about how you're going to die and how all your friends are gonna die um it really sounds way worse than it actually is um there's a blue haired girl Let's just get you in the door first, and jump in, okay?
0: Well, that did not go in the direction I expected at all. But the way that you <laughs> said it—does it it, ever? Oh, that's fair. The way that you said it reminded me of this Louis C.K. joke from like one of his first stand-up specials, where he's like talking about how he, like as a child, learned about death and like had a. Th- A friend or, like, another kid in the neighborhood who didn't know about death. So he, like, told him what he had learned by going... Like, the joke is, like, you're gonna die. Your mom's gonna die. Everyone you know is gonna die. In that order. Oh, my gosh.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Anyways... Um, so if you're, if you're thinking about these episodes, uh, this week and you're just like, oh, we've got more Hunter X Hunter action, uh, be prepared to be wrong. Yeah. Um, so, I think um, we're going to do some housekeeping. Of,
0: yeah. This is kind of my <laughs> fault because I plan out all the episodes and usually I plan them out by looking up episode lists on Wikipedia and trying to group together episodes that I think go together and tell a complete section of story. Um, and that's for shows that I know. For shows like JoJo's or Dimension W, where I don't know, I just divide it evenly. But uh ironically seems to be working about as well. So fuck me, right? But uh yeah, yeah this week I In general. <laughs> I divided the last six episodes of this Hunter X Hunter arc that we're on, which is the Phantom Troop arc, into two of our episodes. So we're covering three today and three the next time. And we probably could have gotten away with doing six all at once because there is not a lot going on, as I discovered when we watched these episodes. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. And sort of, I also want to put a pin in uh, talking about that as a grander rumination on Hunter x Hunter as a series. And and it's good, but some of the things that I find frustrating with it are really reflective here
1: so uh as we've uploaded this episode uh you will probably see the dime code on it is going to be a little bit shorter um but whatever uh you still get content for the week so calm down people um it's <laughs> very second adversarial thing, uh, of you I know right, so second thing that I kind of wanted to go over and do a little bit of housekeeping on uh is some upcoming events. so I have moved to Portland, and Blake is now in shooting distance from portland um he is He is closer, and his flights are a lot cheaper than they used to be yeah, um so uh with that being said, there's a lot of badass uh conventions that are along the um along the west coast. Um, and we are going to be going to our first one, or at least I'm going to be going to the first one uh, called KumariCon, which is going to be inside of Portland. Um, that happens at the uh, end of next month. Um, yeah, it's like the weekend
0: before Halloween.
1: Yeah, so it's it's it sounds so sweet. Um, and I am really excited to go. Um, we are in talks about trying to get, uh, get press passes to go and interview some people. We don't know about that yet. So, um, we yeah. can Cross just say for now that we, uh, we are trying to get press passes to go in there. Um, but I mean, as you listen to the show, you understand that, like, you know, a lot of that is not what we do. Um, already. Um, however, Blake and I uh, have decided that we are going to, instead of leaning away um, because we've slowly been building up viewership and listenership, instead we're going to lean as far as we possibly can into it um, to see if we can build up more people listening like you wonderful viewers and or listeners that are already part of this. Um, we are going to be putting out more and more content, including stuff like this, where we're going to be interviewing people that work inside of this. Um, we're going to be trying to work on more collaborations. Um, we're going to be putting out a, uh, Spencer Watches, uh, video collection that you're going to start getting soon. It's me watching shit and having reactions live, so that's gonna happen um blake what are you working on <laughs> uh
0: i am planning a series of blog posts and audio files um spencer and i talked about watching uh, well he him watching and me reading a, se- a series concurrently i don't know if i want to reveal it just yet um you know, like we'll talk about it off air and once we get it going we'll like let you guys know <laughs> what series we're going to be covering, but we've talked about it a lot on the show, but we have not covered it. Yeah. So uh, feel feel free to guess. We will certainly,
1: (laughs) certainly be doing some cool stuff. We we don't have the exact thing that we're going to be watching yet because we're still kind of chatting about it. Um, But you're definitely going to be getting more content. If you're a if you're a listener who wants more content that's great um, if you are a listener and you know more people that would prefer to get their media in a different form we're gonna try to be covering like multiple different areas of yeah. it. so like with with podcast interviews um, that's just gonna be an extra segment onto the podcast uh, so you might get more special episodes from like <laughs> live from wherever um, it, with the um, YouTube is going to start Picking up more, um, we're going to be going through our channel, um, yeah. Forever Summer Productions, and then also um,
0: written word. So um, yeah. I know, I know. One of the things that Spencer and I had talked about. I was planning on writing something, and he was like, "Oh, you should do audio." And um, so I think I'm going to do both, and that way, some of our content you'll you'll be able to consume it in the normal way, audio. Some of it will be written, some of it will be visual, and some of it will have multiple methods of delivery so that you can kind of pick which one you prefer. Um, Mm -hmm. Also, of note, some of it will be Patreon only um, so that we can give a boost and a shout out to our subscribers. And um, if you are not one yet, uh, feel free to jump on board at any time. But just know that there will be exclusive content coming up in the future that you won't be able to get any other way. Um, We'll keep you posted on that and let you know when things start going live um, so that you can um, go find them. We'll tell you where and how to get them. And also, if it's Patreon only and you're not a Patreon subscriber, you will then know when it's time to make that decision.
1: Yep. Um... Uh, the other housekeeping stuff that we have, uh, to go over really quick is just what's going on inside of the anime and, uh, cartoon worlds. Um, I say cartoon worlds because there is a very significant thing that just came out. Um, it is the nudist Matt Groening, uh, uh, show that has been released on Netflix. Um, if you don't know who he is, he made Futurama, he made The Simpsons, and also, um, if you're listening to this and you enjoy cartoons but Um, you know, or you enjoy anime, and you think you might enjoy cartoons. Um, Disenchanted is the name of the show. Um, I have been watching about halfway into this first season. Um, I will say that I don't think it's for everybody. Um, which is kind of it's a little bit of a bummer because like Futurama is such a like home run and the simpsons has been on and off being great for a really long time <laughs> right and they've been in a pretty bad slump for like six or seven years now um but they will never stop coming out with episodes i'm assuming um so whatever um and uh disenchanted is really interesting though and it, it it's it really takes a uh a a look at things with wide open eyes um and deals with Issues from uh, a a magical world through the lens of uh, the way that people actually want to be treated instead of how they actually are treated. Um, it also take a look at it. <laughs> the
0: main voice actor is Abby from Broad City, which is yep. literally the biggest selling point for me because I love Broad City. <laughs> so I am all in. Cool. Like yep. the other um, stuff about it is cool, like animated comedy. I like that. Matt Grunning, that's great. But Abby. Abby is where it's at for me.
1: Yeah. Um, also the on other thing. Oh, I was going to say it?
0: Netflix has a future show coming up in September. Um, I think it's around September 24th. Um, it is called the dragon prince and it is the new show from the writers and creators of avatar. The last airbender. So oh, yeah, yeah. We talked
1: about that one before though.
0: Yeah. But, uh, I, I just read, uh, yesterday that they have like a release date. So,
1: um, oh, that sure. is coming that's
0: up great. within about a month from today. Well, about that—that's a month from the day we're recording. So a little less than a month from now, if you listen to this on the day that it's released. <laughs>
1: Yeah. The, uh, the last thing that I will go over with just like shows that I am watching right now. Um, I am watching the current season of Voltron. Um, it is, it it continues to be great. Um, it also has been coming out with seasons with like crazy regularity. Um, it's in like season seven, you guys. So if you're, if you're not into it, uh, you need to kind of get up on that because it's, uh, it's a longer watch. When I look back, I'm like, "How did I watch so many episodes so fast?" But whatever. Um, I've been I've been spoiled with that, and it's also good, yeah. frustrated that that um, that Stranger Things doesn't come without out with episodes at the same speed and regularity. <laughs> yeah, it seems like
0: Voltron season six just came out like a couple of months ago, and Voltron season seven just released. That might just be a perception thing, but yeah, it it feels like it's just coming out at such a clip, and yeah.
1: It's time dilation.
0: Uh, yeah, it's pretty impressive, but uh, it's a great show. I mean, I'm not nearly caught up on it, but I'm I'm in season two or three, and it's it's very good. And I'm as far as I know from talking to Spencer, it gets significantly better as it goes on.
1: Cool. So, with all that housekeeping being said, uh, let's go ahead and jump into these <sighs> three episodes for today. Um, be aware, this is going to be very fast. Um, but uh, previously <laughs> yeah. on on Hunter X Hunter.
0: Uh, what do you need to know? So we're, we've we got our hands in a, a couple of pots, and we're kind of at the end of an arc. The arc we've been in is called the Phantom Troop arc, and we are sort of in the falling action denouement section of that, so we'll touch on most everything that's happened Um the main characters include Gon, who is the number one main character of the series overall. He is this um, energetic, optimistic 12-year-old kid who is also like super strong and skilled because he grew up in the wilds. Um, he's best friends with Killua, who is the same age, kind of the strong silent type, and was uh, one of the younger siblings in a world-renowned family of super assassins. Um, they have made friends during something called the Hunter exam with two other people that they have reunited with during this arc. One is Leorio. He is an older teenager, although he looks older than that. Um, he is kind of the comedic relief character. He wants to be a doctor and, um, the, he, there's like a, this magic system called men in this world that allows people to do cool things in fights and uh he learned about it but it turns out he only learned the basics and he's kind of just the butt of the joke of the group and then there's Karapika. Karapika comes from a line of um uh, like a a a family called the Kurta clan and they were all wiped out and the reason they were wiped out is because when they become um Angered, their eyes glow a scarlet red. And if they are killed while their eyes are glowing, the eyes stay that color. And it's considered like one of the seven most beautiful things in the world, which is really fucked up, but that's the situation. So his whole thing is he wants to avenge his clan. And, um, he is kind of the main character of this arc, even though he's not the main character of the show. Um, this arc has been about him seeking his vengeance and that is against the phantom troop. They are also called the Spiders because their symbol is a spider and there's 12 of them. Um, I guess 13 if you include the leader. And uh, they are basically a group of mercenary thieves. They are all super strong and dangerous. And um, they have come to York New City, which is where all of this is happening, because the Mafia is having a big auction they apparently do this every year, and this year the Phantom Troop has decided that they're going to steal everything from the auction. And um, at the last episode, the Phantom Troop sort of attacked the, um, the auction and... Yeah, I'm having a hard time. Uh,
1: he couldn't think
0: of that word. That word being auction. Yeah, this is great content, you guys. So the the Phantom Troop attacked the auction. The Dons of the Mafia had hired kilua's dad and grandfather to come in and kill the leader of the Phantom Troop. And they had an extremely brief fight at the end of last time. Um and I don't remember if we see if I don't remember, did we end with the end of the fight last time? So we're like picking up with exactly what happened after that, or have we had Yeah,
1: so Okay. So it's like uh it's kind of like the you saw sort of the end of the fight. Um you had uh Kilo's father and grandfather. Uh Kilo's father is using kind of like his final attack. Um What's while like Kilo's grandfather moms? Yeah. While Kilo's grandfather is holding down um uh the the leader of the, um, his is his name. He's the leader of the Phantom Troop, and he's being held down by his grandfather, who's, like, making a bunch of these strikes against his chest that he is having to block, or he'll just basically be impaled by this guy's hands. Um, they're in the middle of that when this episode picks up. Um, it is episode 53, Fake X and X Psyche. Um, this Episode is the best of the three episodes that we're going to go over today. Yeah, um, because it has a lot of really cool stuff that happens in really quick succession. Um, so what we see is this big explosion, and then it cuts to um, this uh, mansion with a whole bunch of guards that are surrounding it. There's like lightning in the distance, um, and uh, it's a little bit rainy. Yeah, it's uh, there's a whole bunch of people that are guarding it. Then all of a sudden, it looks like they just all fall in place um all of their umbrellas fall afterwards um and then it cuts to inside of uh it, it cuts to inside of this mansion um and then it cuts uh, uh to these like dons sitting around a table these are the 12 different dons of or 12 or 10 10 um the the 10 dons are sitting around a table they're the leader of this mafia um then we cut back to uh to yeah. Uh, the grandfather and the father. The father is getting a phone call from his son. Um, and he's like, Okay, that's fine. Alright. And then they like decide that they're not going to kill Krolo And the reasoning why we're going to find out is that the the Dawns have called off their hit. Or so it sort of seems. Um but what has really happened. <laughs> Is that uh, their son, um, Killua's brother, um, has killed all of the Dons and he's been mind controlling them um, to call and to make sure that the auction still happens. And also he tells his father and grandfather so that they won't kill Krolo because Krolo has paid their son in order to kill these Dons and because they don't have uh, no longer have living people that have hired them to kill Krolo. They have no reason to kill him anymore, so they don't want to. There is a there's just a a lot of really things uh, really interesting things that are happening here and you kind of learn what's going on with these this family of assassins who treat their job as something they are extremely good at, but they don't do it for fun. They don't kill people because they want to kill people. They kill people because it is their job. And if somebody pays them to do it, they do it without hesitation and without feeling bad about it. And it kind of gives like a cool, um, light to the assassins inside of this world, which is like, you can't hate them because they do it without any passion and they don't enjoy doing it. So like, don't be mad at them. They're just the weapons. They're not the, the intent.
0: It's really interesting because it's like, they're in the middle of a fight and they are about to land a killing blow on this guy like they're about to complete the job and basically like within a minute they would probably have been done at least the way things mm-hmm. seemed to have been going and instead they get this phone call and they immediately call it off and it's like yeah. it's because it's not personal and the only reason they were fighting this guy was because of the job and now that the people who hired them for the job aren't around anymore they have no reason to fight so they don't continue it which yeah, is very it's, it's interesting. Really cool. Yeah, it, it's I, you know it's it's a little bit of anime logic, but I dig it. So, yeah. Curlo, um, Curlo is going to somehow. I guess one of the they have. Oh, I know what it is. It's Cortopi. So Koro is the leader of the troop. Cortopi is one of the members. Cortopi's thing is. His power is that if he touches something with his, with one hand, he can make duplicates with his other hand. And yep. so now they have corpses. And I think Kortopi probably... Maybe it wasn't Kortopi because the, he his power can't duplicate living things. So essentially what I'm getting at is the troop stages the deaths of about half of the members. They put... Yep a corpse that looks like a dead Crollo in the room where the assassins were fighting him. They put the corpses, what looks like to be the, the corpses of five of the other members scattered around and, and those are found. And so the troop is basically determined to be dead, which I thought was weird because this isn't even half of the members, but everybody's like, Oh, the troop has been defeated. And I'm like, okay, well that's just bad math, but
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think the rationality here is that like if, if the if the head of the spider is cut off, then the rest of the spiders will uh will basically run. Yeah, if you um, cut off a spider's
0: head, then its legs will all go in different directions and yeah, scatter. That's how, that's yeah. how science uh,
1: That's how science is how all he said. Yeah. That's how science. <laughs> that's, how. Like. that's how um anyways. So, um, the, the other big thing that is going to happen in this episode, uh, really involves, uh, this auction that is going on. Um, I believe that happens in this episode, right? It does. Um, yeah. Okay. So what they're doing inside of this episode is the phantom troop is going to be using, uh, this, this troop member's power to create false um, uh, items for this auction, which is eventually we're going to find out the, his power lasts for a really long time, but it will eventually wear off. um, And he can make these things that these people are bidding on and they will be none the wiser until days after it's happened. And they've gotten away. If you're, if you're thinking to yourself, well, why would they do this? They're so powerful. They could kill everybody at any time. I also agree with you, and I don't know why. (laughs) Well, they already tried that.
0: So, here's—I don't—this is kind of—it almost feels like a plot hole, and I don't think it is because of my opinion of the show as a whole and how it does its plots, but, like, so the auction is on, and the troop infiltrates it and creates all these dummy items to be sold at the auction, While then, you know, each time they make a duplicate, they steal the original. But they already infiltrated the auction. This is the second time the auction has happened. I know. And the first time they killed everyone and stole everything. So, like, I don't know if the auction is, like, multi-day and there's different shit that's being bid on, on the different days and the shit that was stolen earlier was held somewhere else. Like I'm not, there is no explanation. And if you think about it, like (laughs) it doesn't make sense that there's anything there for them to auction off because the troop already stole all of it.
1: And the more you think about it, the more unraveled it will become. Uh, Yeah. So the only
0: explanation I can think of,
1: the only way we can no prize, (laughs) this
0: is if they had different sections of stuff to sell on different days. That was not all kept in the same place, and the troop just stole the one day's worth of stuff that one time they already did this. Yeah. But that said, there's supposed to be a day of the auction the next day, so I guess they're getting both days this time.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, anyways, Kira is gonna fi- find out about this. He's gonna be very upset that all the spiders are dead. Um, and then he is going to go pick up his eyes, so that he—or not his <laughs> eyes, but the eyes of one of his. Hold on, family I gotta members. go pick up my eyes real quick. <laughs> yeah. He- he has to take those over after uh, winning the bid on them. He bid way more than he should have um, because this one asshole he punched him in the face earlier, and so he decided that he was going to get into bidding war with him. Um, so he made him bid a shit ton of money on it um, by getting to a bidding war that Kurapika knew he had to win. Um, he the, he's not going to have to pay that. The uh, the you know the mafia member that he is representing is going to be the person who pays it, but whatever. He's like, well, as long as I have Neon, I have infinite money, so I don't care as much as you want to bid, Kurapika. And then afterwards, there's this pretty sweet scene where, like, he's walking with these eyes and he's so pissed off and upset that he has to do this still, that he, like, um, his eyes are glowing red, and the guy that he punched earlier has pulled a gun on him in the street and he's like, you thought you could just walk away and he stares him down so hard that the guy is just like falls on the ground and almost has a heart attack. Yeah. And I was just like, I, I guess he's emitting his strength upon him of his like, men. Um, so I guess that happens, but whatever. I, it um, might just be
0: murderous intent because I mean, this is a show where murderous intent has been established to affect people directly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It must be that. But anyways, uh, Karapika is going to call Gon at the end of this episode. Uh, tell him that all of the spiders are dead, so don't worry about coming after them anymore. Which he again is up the phone, and it's the end of the episode. They're
0: clearly not all dead. There were are only <laughs> no! six corpses, which is only five of twelve members and the leader. There are seven more left. Like, Kurapika, <laughs> and it's it's weird, Kurapika never goes into, like, he's not like, oh, the leader is dead, so it's not the spiders, so I don't hold a grudge against anybody else. Like, they're still the people that killed his clan, like, whether or not they're in this group. Like, the group affiliation just happens to be why they all were involved in this massacre. But, like, they're still responsible for it, and his beef is against them. So, like, the I don't, it's is really weird and it honestly feels a little out of character for them to accept that five of thirteen corpses means the entire issue is settled. That's not even halfway. I mean I guess he also killed Uvogan, so we're at six six dead, but that means that there are seven left. And everybody just, like, hand waves this. And then in this episode or the one after it, they're going to actually explicitly talk about the remaining members. And Karapika is, like, hella chill about it, and I don't get what's going on.
1: Okay, so I'm going to be doing something inside of these two episodes that we don't usually do. But these two episodes are... So lax in information that I legitimately am just going to give you the names of the two episodes. Then we're going to go over the couple of points that actually matter. Yeah. First, it is episode 54, Fortunes X Aren't X Right. And then 55, Allies X and X Lies. So here's the thing. (laughs) The first thing that's going to be happening in these episodes is that uh, we are going to be dealing with Hisoka. Um, and the fact that Hisoka is basically a a mole slash spy inside of the spiders in the first place. He yeah, Hisoka, he yeah,
0: yeah he is somebody that they met during the hunter exam. He has been an antagonist for most of the series so far, um, but he's been kind of an ally to Karapika in this arc, and the reason is. He is a member of the Phantom Troop solely for the purpose of trying to fight and kill the leader because he likes to fight people who are strong for fun. And so he has sold them out to Karapika, and that is how Karapika was able to harm them. But obviously none of the troop members know that he is a double agent. So that's kind of where we are.
1: So, um, the, the characters that, uh, that he is going to be interacting with the most are, um, the swordsman of the, um, uh, uh, the swordsman of the phantom troop named Nobunaga. Yeah. Um, and he is, uh, very connected to Uvogan, um, who is, uh, is now dead. Um, Yeah. Um, he, uh, is very, very frustrated and he wants to make sure that he finds the chain user before they leave the city. Um, however, we are going to find out that Crollo has uh, obtained the power of uh, this this girl that he met that can predict the future by writing out these poems um, that uh, that kind of like tell what you can do and if you um, stay away from what it predicts you can like keep it from you know coming true so, um, he is going to write these doubt for different Phantom Troop members, uh, including, uh, but not limited to, um, everybody but himself. Um, it, it actually, he them... skips
0: several members and this was really interesting because in then order he comes back to them, huh?
1: <laughs> he comes back to them in episode 55.
0: No, they, uh, I don't think he does because, um, because they infer, who might die based on the fortunes they have. But when, when Crolo sits down to tell the fortunes, he asks for the full name, the birth date and the blood type of the person. Oh, yeah. And then he tells I their forgot. fortunes. And then at one point, one of the guys, they're like, Oh, you told the fortunes. He tells the fortunes of like half of them or something. And then one of the guys is like, you didn't tell the fortune for me and these other people that I'm going to list off here because the, we didn't have the necessary information. Which says to me yeah. that some members of the Phantom Troop don't know their full name, birth date, or blood type.
1: And we're going to find out the reason why behind that in a little bit, um, but let's first go into the rest of what's going to be happening with the fandom troop, because it's it's pretty it's pretty cool, the last part of it. Um, so he's going to be making all of these predictions of what's going to be going on. They're going to have to decide if they're going to stay in York New City or if they're going to go back home. Um, they are deciding this because in some of the fortunes, it talks about, um, talks about how if they stay here, they're going to, half of their people are going to die. If they go up against this chain user, then we find out that Hisoka has also been given a fortune, but inside of that fortune, it reveals that he has done some shady shit. Um, and so when he is confronted to give over his fortune that he is, um, that he has received from Krolo, because Krolo doesn't know what he's writing, it, uh, Hisoka switches out the poem that was written about him um, and he gives them a fake poem that sort of gives away some of the information, but alters the information so that it seems number one like he didn't he gave away more people's information than he actually did, and number two it seems like he was defeated in some way and he was forced into uh, collaboration with this chain user because of some uh, like like, you know, blade of Damocles that's hanging over his head, that yeah. if he doesn't do what he's he's told to do, he's gonna be killed. This is all inferred from Crolo, um, who is reading this out loud. Um, Nobunaga's he's getting super fucking pissed off because he thinks that they've been um betrayed, which they totally fucking have. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that is going to happen is that they're going to assume that number one, he' He cannot tell anything about the chain user, or something is going to happen, like a blade is going to stab into his heart um, from some uh, chain that has been conjured from the um, the chain user that they don't know the name of, which we know is Kurapika. Um, this is just—it's a, a lot of information to happen very, mu- uh, like, very fast inside of this. But be aware that the exact same amount of information is going to be revealed to you in these two episodes, except for it's going to take so long. They yeah, spend it, a lot of time talking about it. <laughs> it
0: is a really cool sequence because essentially Hisoka, he uses his ability to create a fake fortune to hide the fact that he has betrayed the group and apparently will continue to do so. Then he basically, they start interrogating him and he answers most of the questions with like, I can't say, or I can't answer that. And this caught like the combination of those two things causes the Phantom troop, other members to infer that he has been placed in some sort of life threatening restriction on what he can say. And I love this because it's, it's this like cool intellectual gambit from Hisoka who has been shown to be sort of this like, clever bastard and he totally pulls the wool over 12 other people all of whom are extremely brilliant and you know super powerful and and have the ability to like see through bullshit sort of magically given the the rules of the world they're in and he tricks all of them and it's great
1: yeah there's there's a lot of really cool stuff that's happening inside of this um the the other thing that they have to decide to do is that they have to figure out if they're going to stay here or not, and it eventually is decided uh, by Crollo that they are going to stay inside of York New City, um, because it will be safer than going home. This brings me to the second point, and one of the coolest things in Hunter x Hunter that is not talked about too often, and it, it's to a almost frustrating degree. Hunter x Hunter is is in a world that sort of you think is... You can't figure out if it's like, is this the normal world? Is this a different world? Is this like a specialty earth that something has happened on? Um, Did some kind of weird shit happen? And one of the things that is inside of this place is this town called Meteor City. It is called that because it was like a dumping ground for... um, you know, all of this different trash that's around the world, including people, um, that they just don't care about anymore, so they just throw them away, I guess, into a junk pile, you know, like you do with your babies. Um... Who hasn't thrown a baby in a dumpster? Yeah, who's... Who who among us shall cast the first stone of baby? He who has Um, not
0: tossed a baby shall cast the first baby.
1: Yes, for real. (laughs) That's how this works, right? (laughs) Anyways, um... So, so with that being said, it turns out that the Phantom Troop, um, they come from Meteor City. They are, um, this kind of gives way to, like, why some of them don't know their birth date, don't know um, their blood type, don't know, like, specific things about themselves. And the, the reasoning why, um, even, like, they're not, you know, their full name is because they they come from this place where they were abandoned probably as children, and it's it's kind of like a sad thing when you you um, you think about it too much, um, but it's also kind of like a cool thing where they're just like a gang of misfits that come from this place with nobody knows their name. Um, we're all misfits.
0: So- <laughs>
1: It's it's the island of misfit toys if they all grew up to be murderers and thieves. Yeah, the island of misfit <laughs> murderers. Yeah, for
0: real. Um, um So what's anyways. cool about this is that Meteor City also has connections to the mafia because everybody that lives in Meteor City, there's like I think they say the population of like ten million or something by this time, yep. and essentially everyone who lives in meteor city is basically considered not to exist like it is a place where things and people have been discarded and forgotten and even though it has now built up a huge population and it is a city in its own right it hasn't basically it basically like hasn't been reassimilated into society like there is just this kind of like Unstated social contract between Meteor City and the rest of the world that whoever lives there doesn't exist as far as everybody else is concerned. And this is great for the mafia because they want people who are untraceable. So they have connections with Meteor City and they will often hire people into their ranks for single jobs or for permanent from Meteor City. And this is really important to the mafia. And when it is discovered... That the Phantom Troop is also from Meteor City. The Mafia immediately calls off their the bounty that they have placed on the heads of the Phantom, Phantom Troop members because they are worried that it going after the Phantom Troop would be seen as going after Meteor City and it would shut down that connection for them. And that connection is too valuable, even though an entire room of Mafia members were murdered. Even though at this time we know, it's not clear if the Mafia knows... But we know that the entire, all ten heads of the Mafia families have been murdered. Like, the Phantom Troop has exacted a huge toll, and even given all of that, they're going to be getting a free pass because they're from Meteor City.
1: Yep. Um, it It is a cool mix inside of this world, but also very frustrating because they don't go enough into it for you to understand what the fuck is happening inside of this world, where everything actually is inside of this world, and who everybody actually is inside of this world. I get a little bit frustrated with that sometimes because I'm just like, I want there to be more world-building, yeah. you fuckers, um, but they I am, don't ever do that.
0: I kind of agree with you. I have a little bit of a different angle on my frustration, but I'm I'm holding off until we're done with our coverage before I go into my whole thing. Okay.
1: The last thing that we're going to learn inside of these episodes is the most frustratingly boring part of it, which <laughs> is so um, that... We're, we're going to learn all about Kirapika's powers and how he uses them. They're going to talk about this so much to Gon and Killua. Um, there is also going to be their friend that they met who is an appraiser. He oh, yeah. is going to play no unique role or interesting role. Sir just also appears in this movie. There. Yeah. Yeah. He is just going to be there. He is so annoying and I still don't understand exactly why he's there, but fuck it. Um, Anyways, they're going to learn about how, um, Kuropika has these powers of these chains. And one of the things that he did, um, was he made this rule that himself, uh, with himself that he is only going to attack phantom troop members with his abilities. Um, this contract makes his abilities much more powerful. And we get a flashback for, uh, uh, to when he was working with this trainer of his to learn these powers. If you're thinking to yourself, we've already heard this story. It's because you have, and they're going over it again to excruciating detail, even though we already know all of this information. Yeah. To be fair. So crazy.
0: He is telling he, so in, when we learned about how his powers work the first time he was telling us, like we learned about it in a voiceover or in a internal dialogue or something like that. Now he's telling them And the point of the scene is not for us to learn about his powers. Although I do, I would say that we learned something like, we do learn something about his powers that they're not quite as restricted. So basically, like, he's restricted the use of um, one of his abilities against the troop, but not all of his abilities. So it's not like he can't do anything against anybody who's not a troop member. He just can't do this one specific thing against them. But, um, that what's more crucial than rehashing how his powers work and learning a slightly new thing about it is that he's telling them as a sign of like friendship and trust. essentially he knows that like nobody knowing exactly how his powers work is good because then nobody, it's harder to trace the powers back to him. And even if you do trace the powers back to him, you don't know exactly what to expect and therefore can't perfectly combat it. So he is taking a risk basically as a sign of friendship by telling them this, which is then going to lead us into the last plot line. I don't remember exactly how this arc ends. We got three episodes left in it um, that we'll be covering the next time we talk about Hunter X Hunter, but that's going to set up what these main characters are doing at, you know, at the end of it, which is they know that there's a Phantom Troop member called Pakunoda who has the ability to read people's memories. She used this on Gon and Killua when they were captured by the Phantom Troop previously to see if they knew the identity of the chain user. This was before they realized that Kurapika was the chain user, so she didn't get anything out of them. But now they know he's the chain user, and he just told them how his ability works. So they have determined that they, since they were captured by the troop, they know where the troop is hiding. And if they're still there, they can find them, And their goal is to find the troop and kill Pakunoda. The rest of the troop can survive or not, but they have to kill Pakunoda because as far as they know, she is the only member of the troop that can now determine who Karapika is. And therefore, as long as she's alive, his life is in danger.
1: Yep. So with that being said, uh, Blake has a little bit of frustration um, with the show. Let's go through it really quick uh, because uh, I am, uh, I am I uh, have a quick other thing to go over right before I finished. <laughs> yeah,
0: it, I've talked a little bit about this before, but the big thing, it just was highlighted to me so much. This is, this is the first three of the last six episodes of this arc. It's coming off of one of the bigger battles, but my thing with Hunter x Hunter is that if you look at traditional storytelling from a Western angle or a Japanese angle, Hunter x Hunter almost always doesn't fit. And I'm going to preface this by saying that Hunter x Hunter is a good story, and it's told well. It's interesting. The world is interesting. The, the rules of the world are interesting. The characters in the world are interesting. And the first time I watched it, I really enjoyed it. But one thing that I noticed over and over again when I was first watching it, and that I'm noticing even more now that I'm rewatching it and that I know what happens, is the show builds this anticipation based either off of what you expect to happen from an action fighting anime, where you know characters will sort of bounce off of each other in different ways and eventually end in a climactic battle, Or based off of what the show itself is building up, like the troop is going to do something, they're coming to a head with the mafia, and Karapika is after them. The show makes all these promises that it doesn't fulfill. Like, sometimes it does. There was this great fight between Uvogin and Karapika, but that was one troop member. His whole stated purpose has been to kill the entire Phantom Troop, And then, after killing one of them, he then finds out that six more are dead, leaving six left, and he just drops it. And, like, they're going, yeah, they're ending this episode pursuing the remaining Phantom Troop members to kill one of them, but it's only to kill one of them. And Karapika doesn't in any way demonstrate that he is still on about this vendetta of his, even though he also hasn't, like, he hasn't abandoned it. Like, he, he literally stopped being obsessed with them when he thought they were dead. And that's the only reason he stopped. And now that he knows that they're alive and where to find them, he has not in any way indicated that his obsession will continue. And based off of what I know about the show going forward, nothing happens. Like, I'm pretty sure they don't get Kura- Pakunoda. If, even if they do, I'm pretty sure she survives this arc. And we will see members of the Phantom Troop in the future and they are alive and Kurapika is not pursuing them from what we can tell. Or he at least has not succeeded. So it's, like, it's frustrating because the character has a stated goal and he's not behaving in a way to pursue it. Which should be bad writing. And the stories often don't come to a climax. They set up a climax and then they subvert it. So the troop attacks... Like in the Phantom Troop arc, the troop attacks the mafia and then big battles happen in the first half of the arc. And the second half of the arc, none of that is resolved, but it's almost all conversation and battles that are about to happen or that start and then get cut off quickly for some reason with basically no resolution. And it's like the, yeah, it's just frustrating with this show that the climaxes tend to come early rather than late And then the climaxes that they seem to be building to later on tend never to happen. And again, it's still a good show. And I, I did say it had this sort of marks of bad writing. I would say that ironically, and maybe impossibly it does the things that bad writing does, but I wouldn't say that it is itself bad writing because it is such an interesting and rich story world. But from a storytelling perspective, the show has often let me down and it's going to continue to do so by just building up expectations that it then does not fulfill. And it just sort of hand waves them away and then moves on to something else.
1: Yeah. With that being said, um, uh, we've said over and over and over again that we really love Hunter x Hunter. Um, This is a show that I I feel merits... A lot of the respect that it gets, not just because it has beautiful animation, but also because it has a very interesting storyline told in a very interesting way from a point of view that we don't always get. That being uh, the point of view of a main antagonist that is not just cute for cute sake, isn't just badass for badass sake, and isn't just funny for funny sake or gross for gross sake. That happens a lot of times inside of anime um one of the biggest um offenders of this is going to be um uh Naruto from Naruto. He is uh for most most points of the show just obnoxious for obnoxious sake um or he's supposed to be funny, but he's not really, or at least we don't find him very funny yeah, um and uh a lot of the times you uh you root for him when you're really told to, but otherwise you would be like, "Fuck this kid, he's obnoxious." Um this is one of the things that I believe I haven't really seen uh, a good main antagonist that is a little kid um other than um well I mean I guess like little kid I guess I can only think of really the original Naruto um I wanted to say a little bit about Soul Eater as well but those characters are kind of their teens um and with that being said like you know My Hero Academia does a really good job of like teens and Anyways, the only other character I wanted to get to about this that is a very important character to reference as well is one of the characters that was greatly, greatly used to inspire the character of Gon. And I really wanted to talk about this really quick because I was reading a fascinating article about how inspired uh, to create the character of Gon was from the character of Goku from Dragon Ball. The original Dragon Ball series... Um, has a character that is both endearing, actually funny, and he has this true good hearted nature about him that we don't get a lot of times inside of anime today. And I think it's just because a lot of anime today is, um, is told with these very kind of like surface characters that you don't dig enough into if they are just meant to be like chibi or just cute, um, on screen and I think that happens with kids, and I think from Blake and I talking about um, before when we were watching Stranger Things, I think that we had this conversation, like, last year, this happens a lot with, um, with kid actors as well, where, like, they don't care about making the kid actors good, they just care about the kid actors being the kids on screen, you don't actually have to see them, they aren't important. Well... If you watch this show or Dragon Ball or Stranger Things, you'll find out that good shows focus on every character that is a person and is important to the story like they are an adult or they are a major plot point to the story and they give them full, rich backstories and histories which make them super fucking interesting to watch in comparison. It's like that
0: Um, that adage where people ask how to write like, how do you write female characters? We write a character that happens to be female.
1: Yes. Um, and I, I listened to this uh, getting a little bit off topic, but on the topic of writing for women, I have had a hard time in the past writing for women. Um, and the biggest reason why is because I was coming at it from like, well, I have to have this perspective. I have to have this perspective. I have to have this perspective to understand what's going on. And the way that um, that Tina Fey talks about writing women is that she talks about you write a character and you do not think on the first or the second pass if they are male or female because people are just people and if you treat them that way from the beginning you will get richer um people written on on stage or on screen or in anime um because you're coming at it from just a human perspective of trying to understand that these people are just people um if you start putting on those things at the beginning, you're going to have one-dimensional characters or stereotypes. And like you don't want either one of those things. It's just like if people are like I'm going to write this character and then when it comes out it's like, you know, like you were trying to write uh like a very muscly man. And the first thing that you wrote about him was What is his defining trait is not that like he had a good childhood or that he went to school and got his like master's degree or anything about this character. The first thing that you wrote about was this character is muscly and his defining trait is muscles. Well, then you're going to get fucking like some of the characters from Jojo's Bizarre Adventure that are just like these characters do not matter where they come from. It doesn't matter what their past is. It only matters that they are in a fight and they need to win this fight. That's it's like the difference between
0: Marvel movies and DC movies right now, whereas DC movies are all about characters doing things because they're superheroes and Marvel movies are all about characters doing things because they're characters.
1: Yeah. And uh, it's, it's one of those things that happens in um, inside of shows a lot is that they don't give the characters enough backstory. So you don't care about them or they don't earn it. Um, and then in shows like this, which brings me all the way back to Hunter X Hunter, the other problem that can happen is when you have too much goddamn expo- exposition And the the problem with that is you can't just fill an episode all with exposition because at the end of the day, a good episode should have an arc from beginning to end or it should be telling the beginning or the middle of an arc. If your episode is just a piece of exposition for an episode that's coming after, or a denouement for a character an uh, uh, episode that happened before, it just doesn't have any impact, which makes it almost a filler episode, which we've said a bunch of times Hunter x Hunter doesn't have. But what I've learned from today is just like, Yeah. They have filler episodes. They're just beautiful to look at. Yeah. Um, and it's very, very frustrating to find out that, that all this hype that we've been giving the show still has the plot holes and the, the pitfalls that we hate so much. Yeah. Like if you're
0: watching it on the first time, it is done in such a way that it will keep your interest, but uh, you know, and you might not be like me, but I'll say the first time I watched Hunter X Hunter, It kept my interest the whole time, but it kept my interest partly because it kept building up excitement and anticipation for things that then almost never happened. Mm -hmm. And it is a real fucking bummer. It's a, it is a letdown and it's still a good show, even when you're disappointed that it doesn't shake out the way you wanted it to. But especially looking at how good, you know, Gon versus Hisoka or Uvogin versus Kurapika There are sick fucking fights in this. This could be a great anime about that, you know, that has those sort of classic shonen anime climaxes of fighting and it would do it astonishingly well. And it just doesn't. And it's frustrating. And it's, you know, I don't want to say that we don't like it because we do. And I don't want to say that you can't like it, even if part of what you like is that it doesn't culminate into big fights or that it does subvert those expectations. That's cool. I get why you might enjoy that. It's not my favorite thing because I want to see those awesome fights. But if you're really into that, like more power to you. But it it is it can be really frustrating when the story builds up something that it never pays off on over and over again. Mm -hmm. wow we're really down on this
1: (laughs) (laughs) with that being said stick around we're going to talk about uh, what's going to happen in our next episode right after these brief messages
0: blake and spencer get jumped is made by forever summer
1: productions with sound editing done by rashad english of plain english productions these are level five sound wizard our podcast is ad free and we want to keep it that way if you want to keep
0: it that way too, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon members get exclusive member content and unlock group perks. Follow us on Twitter at BNSGetJumped. Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at Reddit.com slash R slash Get Jumped.
1: If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help us chart on iTunes. And remember, new episodes come out every Sunday on your favorite podcast platform.
0: Next week on Blake and Spencer Get Jumps.
1: Okay, one more thing that I hate about Hunter x Hunter. All right, we're going to cut. We're going to cut it here. We're going to cut.